Hi, my name is Renee, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by and listening to this podcast. Now, if you don't follow me on Instagram, why don't you go do so right now? Just go to Instagram and look for Renee Pineda or Renee Alaire. Either one of those, you'll find me there. And be sure to subscribe to both of my podcasts. Break it down again with Renee Pineda and grab your coffee with Renee Pineda. And now, on to the podcast. Enjoy. No matter who you are, music at one point or another has played a major part in your life. We tend to forget the things that happened all around us the moment we heard them. But we do get to hear them every now and then. That person, that moment, music is as universal as one, two, three. I think it's time we go back in time, grab all those beautiful songs, and break it down again. Hi guys, how are you? Welcome to another episode of Break It Down Again with your friend and host, Rene Pineda. How's everything? How was your Christmas? Was it fun? Was it everything you wanted and then some? Um, I can tell you one thing that I've learned throughout the years. As you get older, you start realizing that gifts aren't everything. And that what really does matter is spending time with your family. After these two years of COVID, I think most of us have come to the realization that, in fact, we must be close to our families. Um, but I'm not here to talk to you about family or anything like that. I'm here to talk to you about music that plays during Christmas time. Personally, I think it's one of those genres that it's hit or miss. Mostly everyone likes one or two songs. But in reality, uh, a lot of people can't hold on to that feeling for too long. And after two or three songs, boom, they either switch the music to whatever they listen to on a daily basis or change the radio station. I'm one of those people that can actually hear roughly about two or three days nonstop without actually wanting to swap it. It's only when they start repeating the same songs over and over that I'm like, ugh, I don't want to listen to this anymore. But other than that, I love Christmas music. I totally do. Now, the songs that I listen to are, I don't want to say weird, but definitely the music that, or the songs, in fact, that you won't listen to in a radio station. Not anymore, at least. As years have progressed, a lot of the radio stations have removed tons of amazing songs that I used to hear back when I was a teenager, when things started actually... Um, making sense as far as Christmas music goes. So today, we're going to talk about a song that was actually written under one hour on a summer afternoon. But before we do that, let me tell you when it took place. And for that, we're going to travel back in time to 1984. And I'm going to give you some of the things that you need to know for that year. We're talking about a year in which women earned 37% of the computer science degrees. In 1988, women were at 27%. In 2011, only 12% of computer science degrees went to women. Uh, that's something that we kind of have to look into. I'm not saying it's a bad thing or a good thing. All I'm saying is, girls, come on. We need you guys too on this, on this, um, in this, in this realm, actually. Okay, now during 1984, the Summer Olympics were held and McDonald's <laughs> really fucked up. Let me tell you why. See, they had this, I'm going to call it campaign. 
in which here's what they actually said. If the U.S. wins, you win. That was the name of their campaign. And what they did was they would give free food anytime the USA won a medal. <laughs> here's what happened. 1984 was one of the most amazing years for the U.S. team because it won more medals than they expected. And because of this, <laughs> McDonald's was like in red numbers. They had big financial losses because the U.S. team won many of those um, medals. And this was due to the fact that many Soviet countries boycotted the Olympics that year. Um, what else was happening in 1984? Oh, yeah. Do you guys remember those stupid, and I still see them every now and then, stupid, yes, yeah, stupid, um, little signs on the cars that read, baby on board? Well, that's the year they were marketed by their creator, Michael Lerner. Oh, my God, they're so dumb. Like, that's going to make a difference And if I'm driving down the street. Oh, baby on board, let me slow down. Yeah. Or let me back off. No, that, let's be honest. Nobody really cares about those signs. If you're being honest like I am, you know you don't give a rat's ass. So stop using those. They're stupid. All right. Uh, what else was happening? Oh, yeah. You guys remember the movie Ghostbusters? Well, Bill Murray that year was um, coined for the modern use of the phrase, you're toast. He made it popular and now everybody uses it. Well, at one point or another, we all used your toast. Okay, something else that happened in 1984. Michael Dell. That's right. The creator, Michael Dell, started selling Dell computers, mostly targeting small businesses and households instead of high-end consumers like his competitors, IBM, Apple, and Compaq. I actually run on Dell. That's what I run on. That's what I've been using all my life. And uh, I'm not getting sponsored by this. It's just a fact. That is the kind of computer that I use. I run a Dell. So there you go. Uh, let's see what else happened. Oh, yeah. Iron Maiden. The band Iron Maiden played 187 shows in 331 days during their World Slavery Tour of 1984. Now, that's a feat right there. Oh, my gosh. Hmm. What else happened in 1984? Oh, yeah. This one's actually pretty cool, and I hope you actually take the time to check it out whenever you have a chance. Uh, there's an Academy Award category for Best Original Musical. But this particular award hasn't been awarded since Purple Rain in 1984 due to the lack of contenders. Son of a bitch. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Prince when he was writing those songs? He didn't realize that he was actually making history and something that wouldn't be repeated. That's amazing. Okay, uh, moving forward. What else happened in the U.S. in 1984? Oh, yeah. The United States Army retired Donald Duck from active duty on his 50th birthday. Okay, and something huge, iconic happened in 1984. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles first appeared in comic books. Now, in 1987, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles made their transition into cartoons. But before we saw the cartoons as I was a kid, they had already appeared in comic books. How awesome is that? And one final fact of 1984, which is going to set the mood for what was happening during that time. A Super Bowl ad cost $368,000 for 30 seconds. That's right. 
$368,000 for a 30-second spot during the Super Bowl back in 1984. Do you have any idea how much it's going to cost for 2022? $6 million. $6 million to run a 30-second ad. Oh my gosh, I can find so many other things to do with $6 million. But you know what? The way I see it is, it's advertising, so it's tax deductible. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, these are the popular TV shows that were airing in 1984. This is information that I gathered online. And it's based on some research made by Nielsen, uh, which is the company that runs ratings. Uh, in number 10, and I don't know any of these, actually. Uh, the ones that I do know, I'll let you know. Falcon Crest, never heard of it. Not Landing, tampoco, never heard of it. This one I do know, Murder, she wrote. That one I knew, because there was reruns like late 80s and early 90s. And then Simon and Simon, never heard of it. The A-Team, a pity the fool. Yes, I do know that program. Uh, then there was <laughs> 60 Minutes on CBS. Jeez, Louise. I can't believe that thing's been running for so long. Boring. But people were watching it. Uh, and these were the number three spots or slots, if you want. Um, the Cosby Show placed number three. Yes, the Cosby Show was that popular back in 1984. Number two was Dallas. Yes, Dallas, the show. And number one was Dynasty. I remember Dynasty. I never saw it, but I do remember it. People were talking about it. Can I tell you? Okay, so we've established the fact that it's 1984. And the new wave pop sound is at its peak with music by classic bands and singers like The Police, Culture Club, Madonna, Paul Young, and my all-time favorite band, Tears for Fears. But there was another band that had taken over the airwaves. And pretty much every teenage girl's bedroom walls with posters. The name of the group? Wham! And you might remember them for their song, Wake Me Up Before You Go, Go. Don't leave me hanging on like a yo yo. But they had one more song that was actually a bigger hit, and it continues to be a bigger hit. And that's where our story begins today. Okay, so back in 1984, Christmas music, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, was not a thing. You would hear one or two songs maybe every other hour, but music business continued as usual. You know, your hits, whatever was trending at the time, top 40, all that stuff. In fact, the 24-7 for 30 days almost uh, of Christmas music didn't happen until 2001. In the U.S., it was very common for local radio stations to gradually begin adding a Christmas song here and there to their regular playlist in late November typically after Thanksgiving or Black Friday, which is generally considered the official start of the holiday season. And it's actually true for my family. We don't call it Christmas time until it's Black Friday. Once you've eaten the last piece of steak, okay? That's how we know, all right, it's the holiday season. It's the holiday season, right? And sometimes these radio stations would culminate their one or two sporadic songs during the day with all Christmas music, 24 hours a day, on Christmas Eve, onto Christmas Day. And more prominently, more stations temporarily would drop their regular music entirely and switch exclusively to Christmas music for the holiday season, but it wasn't that many of them. And as I mentioned before, the latter practice became 
more widespread in 2001 after the September 11 attacks. And why, you would ask yourself? Well, it was done as a means of helping improve the morale of listeners. I don't know if you guys remember, but that Christmas was so dark. It was so sad, all the things that had happened in New York. And, well, we needed a a, a boost in our morale. And so radio stations began turning their um, programming into 24-7 Christmas radio stations. Now, here in Los Angeles, that station for me was Coast 103.5. At the beginning, it was like a shot in the dark. You know, they didn't know what the hell they were doing. And I totally remember uh, that they had some songs of dogs and cats singing timeless classics like Jingle Bells and Santa Claus is Coming to Town. And they would just have dogs like barking, whoa, 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 whoa. And it was stupid, actually. It was, honestly, it really was dumb. And I love dogs, but man, they were annoying. And the moment I heard friggin' cats meowing any of those songs, I was off like a prom dress. I would not want to hear those things. I'm not a fan of cats, as you might have guessed. Um, But it would take a couple of years after that for some stations to hone in on the songs that people actually love to hear. I mean, you had the Carpenters, you had Old Blue Eyes, you know. Frank Sinatra, uh, Barry Manilow, um, you had Bobby Helms, Brenda Lee, Bing Crosby, Burl Ives, you know, your usual Christmas suspects. But then radio programmers realized that there were many other popular songs that they could add to their playlist, to their music list. And these happened to be modern classics from the 80s and the 90s. They also realized that the ratings would skyrocket during the holidays, and they would have leftover new listeners after the Christmas rush. Crazy, right? Now, as much as I despise All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey, I hate that song. People have turned that into their go-to song for the holidays. I don't know why, honestly, but hey, people do crazy shit during the holidays too, right? I mean, like getting engaged, but I digress. That's where one of my favorite songs for the holidays comes in. And that song is Last Christmas by Wham. Last Christmas by Wham was born one day in 1984 when George Michael, the singer of Wham, um, and his bandmate Andrew Ridgely were visiting Michael's parents. So the story goes that while they were watching TV, George Michael literally jumped off his sofa, ran upstairs to his childhood bedroom, and composed this beautiful modern Christmas classic in just under an hour. It took less than 60 minutes for him to write this classic. Ridgely, during an interview, said that adding a lyric which told the tale of betrayed love was a master stroke and, as he did so often, touched many hearts. Personally, I think it was a master stroke. It was genius. Write about something that happened to you on Christmas, and I'm sure people will, you know, think, oh my God, that same thing happened to me. Great, right? I mean, that's all you have to do. But the idea is to actually put it into words and put it into a song and put it into something that generates that feeling. That's where most people lose it. They're trying to make a hit rather than telling a tale, which actually uh, people can understand and feel what the person singing 
is trying to say, right? Well, by the time when recorded um, last Christmas, which was in August, that's right, August of 1984, George Michael had taken full control of the group, 100%. So in addition to writing the song and producing the song, Michael insisted on playing a little keyboard, a little synthesizer, which is a Roland Juno 60, in the studio. And recording engineer Chris Porter remembers that George wasn't a musician. These are his words, okay? He also added that it was a laborious process because he was literally playing the keyboard with two or three fingers. <laughs> Can you imagine? Ding, 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 ding. Ding, 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 ding. Two or three little fingers just going at it, playing those notes. And we know them by heart. But, you know, you think they're musicians, right? They know how to play some kind of instrument. And he did, but didn't. He wasn't a pro at it, but he knew how to play some notes, which is more than I can say for a lot of recent artists. And I'm not going to go into that right now. It's Christmas, or at least Christmas time right before New Year's. In fact, um, George even jangled those labels, you know, the ones you hear, clink, 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 right? He did that too, which is great. He didn't just come in, open a microphone, record, and let everyone else do the magic. No, he was part of the magic. He was part of the process. That's why there's so much feeling in that song. That's why you can actually hear his, you know, his sense of being upset, but now he's happy because he's got someone else. Because he's not just singing. He's portraying a message that something that actually happened to him. Now, I don't know if it did happen. All I know is that it feels like it did, right? You've heard the song. Come on. Um, and so time progressed. And in the mid-80s, the publishing company Dick James Music sued George Michael on behalf of the writers of a song titled Can't Smile Without You, which is a love song recorded by many artists, including the Carpenters and Barry Manilow. Now, according to Chris Porter, the recording engineer that I mentioned before, the suit was dismissed after a musicologist presented 60-plus songs that have the exact or at least very similar chord progression and melody. Now, if I'm being honest with you and I have to lay it all out for you, I would have to say yes. The song's progressions are very similar. And I'm not just saying identical, but extremely similar. Especially the part where he says... This year, to save me from tears, I'll give it to someone special. That part right there, I'm going to set up some, some links for you guys to check it out. I promise you, you're going to be like, oh, shit. It's not the same, but it's very, very, very close to that of George Michael's Last Christmas. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure somewhere in his memory or his, I don't know, he had that progression that sound which came out during last christmas the lawsuit was dismissed but still it's something to think about right okay so i'm not sure if you've ever seen the movie love actually but if you have i didn't know this but apparently in in, in the uk having a number one song in the charts or chart um is a really big deal now unfortunately last christmas didn't give one bad honor at least not at first, because it stalled at number two for more than 35 years. And here's the funny part. When it was released in 1984, there was just one other song 
that kept it from being number one. And that song, <laughs> George Michael had actually taken part in it. I don't know if you remember, feed the world, let them know it's Christmas time again. Well, he was part of that song. And that song is what kept Last Christmas from becoming number one in the UK. But decades since its release, Last Christmas has charted around the holiday season on several occasions. This is in the UK, of course. But on January 1st, 2021, 36 years after its original release, Last Christmas finally grabbed that coveted number one spot. So good for them. I'm going to applaud for that one. That's pretty cool. You know, sadly, he had already passed away. For years now, streaming has become the most popular way to listen to your favorite music without having to hear any type of commercials, right? I mean, it is the present and the future. And if you haven't figured that out, well, you need to get with the program, honestly. So when it comes to streaming, this song is one of the most popular songs on Spotify. In fact, it's only to be outranked by, you guessed it, All I Want for Christmas is You. Followed by Santa Tell Me by Ariana Grande, which is then followed by Michael Buble's It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas. Not even the original version, Michael Buble's version. So the order that Spotify um, ranks these is as follows, just as I mentioned. All I Want for Christmas with 697 million uh, streams. Yes, 697 million streams. Okay. Number two, Last Christmas by Wham, 505 million streams. And then, like I mentioned, Santa Tell Me by Ariana Grande, 369 million streams. And then in fourth place, It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas by Michael Bublé with 347 million streams. The rest, well, it's not that they don't matter, but they're definitely not modern classics or new ones to begin with. So there you have it. That was a post-holiday break it down again with René Pineda on the modern classic, which was written on a warm summer afternoon under an hour, which would then go on to generate hundreds of thousands of dollars every year in royalties. And with that, I tell you, if you want to generate money every Christmas, break out your pens and papers. And write yourself a merry little Christmas song. <laughs> Bye, you guys. Stay safe. Remember to follow on Instagram, René Al Aire. René Al Aire. And um, Happy New Year. Stay safe. Hello. I really hope you enjoyed that last episode. If so, be sure to subscribe and turn on your notifications. This way, you'll know every time I drop a new episode. Also, if you're enjoying the content, why not help support the project? Either one, grab your coffee with Rana Pineda or break it down again. You'll find the link in my bio on my Instagram page. Look for me under Rana Pineda or Rana Alaire. Thanks for the support.